Welcome to Speak It On. This program is designed for the edification and entertainment of the listeners and not designed to be representative of a church, nonprofit organization, or denomination. Opinions expressed are solely those of the host. Hey, hey, this is LA. Welcome back. So, coming to the end of 2019. I heard a sermon last Sunday. Wow, imagine that. <laughs> at church, of course. And uh, and I say that at church because going to church is important. Uh, not just online. I listen to sermons online, too, by the way, to just kind of see what's out there. But um, my current pastor is on an apologetics focus. And if you've listened to me before, you know that um, I don't discourage apologetics because I do believe everyone should be able to give an answer for the faith that's in them. And Apologetics is a fancy term for defending your faith in a uh, rational way. All right. That's apologetics. So if somebody says, hey, why do you believe in Jesus? Then you say, you know, you have your answer thought out. And, uh, and I, I mean, I really believe that's important. But here's the thing. I think that as a tool, apologetics ends up being kind of a blunt instrument. And the reason I say that is because if you argue with someone, and that's the key word, is argue. That's not good. If you discuss with someone, that is good. But it's hard to go f- to, to stay in a discussion without it turning into an argument. Especially with someone who believes you're a total idiot if you have faith. And so that... Uh, you know, and of course, you know, they don't have the same moral uh, compass, so they can, you know, cuss, scream, yell, do, do whatever, and then if you react in a negative fashion, then to them, it's self-fulfilled prophecy. Oh, well, look at you now. You know, I don't want what you got because you're all jacked up. But, but that's only basically just the mean folk that really just want to punch your button. And they're not ready to have any kind of discussion because a discussion is an exchange of ideas, okay? Uh, Now, my background is in communication and persuasion. All the way back to my secondary school days. Teenage years. So, argumentation, I get argumentation I like but also the problem is is if you argue someone down to the ground and you basically 
totally disarm everything they have to say, and you win the conversation, you lose the person. Because then, basically, you have a, a, a hacked-off individual. Now, that's not to say you don't give a reason for your faith. You do. But, uh, again, keeping it from going, keeping a discussion from going in an argument, that's a hard thing. But here's what the pastor was getting at. He ran across some research, sociological research, that said that, that uh, about 32% of people end up leaving the church itself, right? leaving the faith. And, they, and according to the research, if, I, if I'm recounting this correctly, the reason they were leaving is for intellectual reasons. Intellectual reasons. Okay? Now, as someone who's done sociological research on a master's level, I always want to ask how was that stated because here's the complication that I'm running into with that with that concept the way he's putting it out there if he's quoting the research correctly and that is this I don't think necessarily there are people in the pews going wow you know all of this makes no sense to me uh, the the Bible's all confusing. Uh, I don't understand why I'm doing this, 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 and this. And uh, epistemologically, I've I've examined the the source of truth in the universe, and and I've read my Bertrand Russell, and I have since discovered that yes, indeed, I no longer believe. I don't think that's happening. All right. What I think is happening is this. People are getting to the point where they're not getting taught the Bible. So they don't understand it because they're not getting taught the Bible. Why? Because we're not teaching them the Bible. And by we, I'm talking about evangelical Protestant Christians in the West. Period. Maybe happening in the East. Maybe happening everywhere, but I can tell you, we're not doing a whole lot of it here. Not necessarily. There are some that are. But a lot of times, what people get, instead of biblical knowledge, is theological programming. Not who was Isaiah, why did he write, who was he writing to, you know, what period did he write at, you know, what was he trying to address. No. Basically, it's, hey, this is why our denomination is right. And I think it's killing the church in the West. Because we're putting out indoctrination instead of education. And biblical education is, hey, how many books are there in the Bible? I want, you know, how many New Testament? How many Old Testament? What does the Old Testament talk about? What, are the, what was Moses addressing? The five books of, uh, you know, that, that he put out there. You know, what are some of the theories that as to how in the world Moses wrote some of this stuff about his death when he wasn't dead yet? 
things of that nature, things about the word. That's not necessarily what's going out there. Now you can go off the rails with some of that stuff too, and you can get into the oh the gap. You know, there are people talk about the gap theory and where the giants came from and all this other stuff that makes Hank Hennigraf go bananas. But but my my statement is this: I don't think people are even getting that far. And if you don't get the word, what else are you supposed to be getting? How can you have faith without God's word? Because that is the foundational situation. So if you're going to go into apologetics, look at the word of God. In fact, some people could say, well, I wonder why we don't read the, uh, you know, the Apocrypha anymore. You'd be amazed to know that one major reason Protestant Bibles don't have the Apocrypha isn't because somebody woke up and said, hey, we don't like this. That did happen to a certain extent because at some point in history, the Catholic Church was pushing the, the Apocrypha really hard and, and the Reformers went, nah, on that, we don't, you know, we're not going to emphasize that. But they didn't throw it out. One of the biggest reasons we don't have the Apocrypha in a Protestant Bible is because it's smaller. And I listened to some lectures from, from a, a Old Testament professor who said we would appreciate, and, and he didn't say the Apocrypha was inspired, and by the way, the Apocrypha are the books that are missing in the center of the Bible, <laughs> um, but that used to be there, but they're not there because printers wanted to make the Bible more affordable, so they removed the Apocrypha. And I was listening to this professor I was talking about who said, look, if we read the Apocrypha, we would have so much better understanding about the New, the New Testament. But anyway, here's the thing. People are not being taught the Bible. <laughs> and that's how you lift God up. One way I like to study the Bible is I'll get a, uh, a study Bible and I'll go try to go through the entire Bible with that study Bible looking at their study notes because most uh, if you get a commentary style okay study Bible and a commentary style study Bible is where you have either a person like the MacArthur study Bible or a group of people like the NIV, NIV study Bible that put notes at the bottom of the text and they'll have pretty interesting things to say about the text to learn so literally if you do that and you go through that bible you can learn a lot doing just that and that's what i you know i kind of like to do now believe it or not i'm going through the king james bible with the with the new with the new scofield reference edition okay and you're thinking wow kjv you know so i'm i'm this is this is me and my kjv uh, my KJV focus right now just because I like this thing um, and and for any KJV people out there I know they hate this Bible and the reason they hate this Bible is because in the Bible with the Schofield reference edition it corrects the old language it keeps the old language and puts it in the center column but if there's a really outdated word <clears throat> it puts little brackets around it or bars around it unless you know that they changed it. But here's what I like. <clears throat> Listen to this. 
in Joshua. This is chapter 1. And we, we just absolutely, unfortunately, slam Jewish people because of, you know, well, gee, they seem to be awful wrapped up in all the little itty-bitty details of, of, of the law, of the law. Okay, well, here, here's what God had to say in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. I like this. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Well, okay. That sounds pretty specific, right? I would, you know, if somebody said, look, if you really want to prosper and have and, and be successful then here's what you need to do focus on what i'm telling you and i think law unfortunately is an unfortunate translation of the word torah and i've mentioned that before and i didn't get that on my own i mean there's plenty of teachers that know that because torah means teaching so you could say this book of the teaching shall not depart out of thy mouth. And, and he's saying, meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. All that is written therein. Now, what Protestants are really quick to say is, well, well no, you know, Jesus came and we don't have to do that anymore. Well, okay, I'm, let me... Let me uh, let me run that past the brain pan a second. So you're telling me that none of this stuff in the Old Testament is important because we have Jesus now. So Jesus doesn't care if we do anything in the Old Testament and follow any of God's instructions in the Old Testament. That's kind of what that sounds like. And they go, and usually that's when you get a little backtracking. People, well, no, no, that's not exactly what I mean. Well, okay, exactly. What do you mean? Because look, Jesus followed every blooming letter in this book. Every one of them. He followed it all. You know. So anyway. I would go so far as to say this. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you're his disciple, you belong to him. You have connected yourself to the blessings of God through Jesus Christ, his son through faith, then you too can be prosperous and good success if you will try to follow what's in God's instructions. And I get the fact that in the five books, especially I've just gotten through finishing the book of Deuteronomy. There are a lot of rules in there. I get it. There's, according to most Jewish Sages, there's 613 commandments in the law, okay? In the teaching, in the Torah. 613, not 10. But here's the deal. If you can 
glean from the 613 anything you can that will improve how you treat other people. Glean from that. Some of those 613 have to do with Levitical priests and stuff you can't do anymore because there's no temple. So, I get it. But here's the thing. The 613 are condensed into the Ten, which we call the Ten Commandments, which Jewish people call the Ten Words. And then if you want to condense it even further... You can go to what Jesus said, and that is to the rich young ruler, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your heart, mind, your mind, with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. So, with that in mind, let's go back to this apologetic issue. The defense that we should have the demonstration of what we should have is is the and here's here's something else. If people are leaving the church, I'm thinking there's two reasons. Number one, we're not teaching them the Bible. Period. It ain't happening. We're going through it, and we're doing a bunch of theme te theme situations, which are great. Okay. Theme thematic study is not a problem. But here's the, here's the thing. People don't know the word because they're not being taught. But there's another thing that's even more crucial, and that is they're not seeing the word lived in front of them. They're not seeing it. They're not seeing the outreach. They're not being reached out to. They're not seeing people reach out to other people. Because I doubt if someone observed the word being taught and the people being changed and the behavior being better. And they saw a congregation praying for each other, caring for each other, not getting in little cliques and niches, not shutting people out, not bickering, not doing all that fun junk. And they saw people reaching out to the community, reaching out to the homeless, reaching out to widows and orphans and everyone else. If they saw that... I'm almost willing to wager dimes to a donut that they wouldn't leave the church because they could see what's going on because it would be demonstrated to them. Here's the word and here's how we do it.
that's what the church is supposed to be. That's the community. That's what people want. A community. They want to see the work of God in action. And there is nothing more powerful than the witness of a life. There's just nothing more powerful than that. Because here's the thing, and I learned this in argumentation. You can argue someone all over the place, and you can blow everything they've got right out of their hands. But the thing you can't argue against, in some ways, is experience. All you can do, if a person says, this is what God has done for me, the only thing that, that someone, that a secular person can do at that point is say, you're freaking delusional. They can question your mental health. That's it. Didn't happen because you're crazy. Or didn't happen because you're nuts, or, or whatever you want to say. But experience, this is what God did for me. That is the single most powerful. That with the Word of God. I mean, you know, I heard the Word of God. I trusted the Word of God. This is what God did for me. There's your gospel. There's your gospel. Right there. Right there. In, in your hand. I mean, it's that straightforward. So, with that in mind, as we enter into the end of this year, as we're thinking about stuff and we're getting into a, 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 a time of giving, okay? Think about what you're doing out there and what you're doing at your church. And if you're not going to a church, please find a church. And there is no perfect church. I've run into that myself. If you're looking for a perfect church, you will look forever. There is not one. It's got humans in it. Humans aren't perfect. But what you want is a church that will let you be human, but want make you want to be better. Make you want to be like Jesus. Yeah. So, with that thought in mind, keep on keeping on. Thank you for listening to this edition of Speak It On. If you would like to support this ministry, then please go to Patreon under L.A. Blackburn. May God bless every effort you make to do His will in His Word. <laughs>